This is a program about going deeper. It's about creating a culture of learning. It's about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. It is our mission to purposefully equip the world to transform their region with God's love. We want to create an atmosphere of divine influence to the nations by walking in the power of His Holy Spirit with a faith that shapes the future. Welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. My name is Chris Benke. I'll be your host today. I've got with me here in our studio in Bend, Oregon, Veronique Vaughn. Veronique? Hello. Hi everyone. Good? Yep. Doing great today. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. In the (laughs) middle of the quarantine, doing well. We also have Bobby and Becky Hobby, the senior leaders at Eagle Mountain Church with us. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello, hello. How's it going? Yeah. And we've got coming to us over a Zoom connection, uh, a guest that I'm very excited to interview. His name is Ray Hughes. He's a storyteller, an author of many books, um, a songwriter and a poet, and just an amazing source of wisdom. And um, I'm very excited to interview him today. We were talking before uh, the, in the pre-show, before the podcast started, um, just about the, the whole world that we're in right now. And the, um, the topic that I think we're going to go after today is, is very appropriate. It is, uh, w- we called it, the power of stillness in a tumultuous time. Yeah. And I just think that is so, so um, appropriate for where we are right now. So, so, Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate the time. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing wonderful. I, um, I, you know, I feel like... I finally have realized that I think I was born for quarantine. <laughs> this, yeah. this has been awesome. I'm, I'm getting to do things that I've never gotten to do in years. I've been on, you know, I, I know you guys know, but I've been on the road for 48 years, basically. And uh, which means I come home just long enough to get ready to leave again. And uh, I used to tell people, well, I, I, we go home about once a month and either feed the dog or bury the dog. I love and, that. Uh, but then, then I can't tell everybody that because there's a few dog huggers around, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but for me, this quarantine thing, man, it's kind of awesome because we, we know where we're going to, I know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so we're getting to raise the garden, you know, we're planting the garden and I get to spend day after day with the same birds, which I, I love my birds dearly and score, uh, you know, the whole thing. And so it just feels like a wonderful season. And I, you know, I'm so horribly sorry that it has to be such dark days economically and dark days, you know, for so many families with such loss and pain right now. It's, it's, it really is uh, disastrous and, and times of uh, fearful unknowns for a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, and it's unknowns for all of us, guys. We're all, but I do know that the abundant life is a series of new beginnings. And this just happens to be a new beginning that's going to require the courage up yes. for us all uh, to quiet our hearts and just trust God until an answer emerges in all of our lives, no matter what who we are yeah yeah you know so it's a exciting time but a fearful time for many i'm sure i love mm. I, I love what our life is getting to be because i get to be home with my sweetie and plant yeah. the garden and and uh, work in the yard and that kind of thing and so so ray you said you've been uh you know on the road and speaking all around the world for 40 years or over 40 48 years. 48, 48 years, years, which is an amazing testament to, to who you are. Yeah. When you're not traveling, when you're on quarantine, <laughs> where are you located? Oh, I am about one mile from the Singing River, Muscle Shoals in Florence, Alabama. I'm in Northwest Alabama. That makes me, and it's called the Singing River here, and that makes me two hours to Memphis, two hours to Birmingham, two hours to Nashville, I'm two hours to anywhere, pretty much. That's Muscle good. Shoals, Alabama. He's just a stone's yeah. throw from the great Fames, Fame Studios that recorded all the greats back then. There was a sound that came out of Muscle Shoals that went around the world. Yeah. 
It's awesome. actually still heralded as the hit recording capital of the world. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, uh, matter of fact, I was just over the last trip out before all this went crazy. I was over in England at, at Abbey Road. And when you walk into Abbey Road Studio and they know you're from Muscle Shoals, there's kind mm -hmm. of a, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an yeah, immediate yeah. Uh, uh, awareness. Oh, you know, Amazing. so Muscle Shoals is really connected within every genre, really. Yeah. But really kind of an R&B capital. Uh, where, and this is where country music has sand in its voice kind of place, you know. Look, uh, can I ask a but, question? Please. I wanted to ask, um, so for those of us who don't know, um, what would be the most popular song that came out of that? Is there a most popular? Uh, uh, well, it could have been R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Aretha Franklin. Okay. It could have been uh, it could have been Wild Horses, Rolling Stones. It could have been any of Paul Simon wow. songs. The first one that you would know about is uh, when Rick Hall built the studio. And I'll give you the short story version. He built a studio, and a, and a young man walked in, and he said, you built this recording studio. I can sing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, get in there and sing. <laughs> when a man loves a woman. No. Wow. Oh, that's Percy amazing. Sledge. <laughs> Percy Sledge had walked in. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Everybody on earth recorded here except the Beatles. Rick said they'll never make it. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I know you guys, you, Ray, you, you know Bobby and Becky. Um, now, how did you guys get connected? Is it through the music connection or was it a different way? Well, that's a great well, story. You want to tell your version, Ray? Uh, and, no, you tell it. Okay. So this is awesome. Uh, Becky and I have just been such a fan of Ray's, if you will, a student of his since the 90s. I remember he spoke a message on the war horses that just rocked us. And then we went back east and just in the hunger of what God was doing in our lives. And he was at a... Um, an, a, a conference and spoke a word on the Adams Mark, and it happened to be at Adams Mark Hotel. Becky, yeah. you remember that? Yeah. And so we've got all of his minstrel series, and you know, just all of his books over the years, and just loved and honored him, prayed for him, sort of in the background for years. And then one day, uh, I get this call out of the blue, and I don't recognize the um, cell phone number. And so I pick it up and I go, hello. <laughs> and it's this man on the other side, on the other end of the phone. Hello, Bobby. This is Ray Hughes. No way. And I about dropped the phone. <laughs> and I was like, what? How did you get my number? Wow. And we went back and forth as to how he got his number or how he got my number. And he <laughs> said, uh, you know, I've been thinking about you for a while. And I know you sent us an invitation to come um, out to Bend. And I think now's the time. And Incredible. number one, we had not sent them an invitation. <laughs> um, Interesting. Because, not because we didn't want to, but yeah. because we just didn't know that, you know, we just figured he was traveling all over the world. We were just lucky to read his books kind of thing. Wow. And so um, it turned out it was another local pastor, and we still hadn't figured out how he got my number. So wow. God oh, gave him my, my cell phone number. Goodness. I love that. That is an amazing <laughs> yeah, I, story. I, 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 I really, till this day, I don't know how I got the, the, the telephone number. Yeah. That's you know, so cool. Just one, wow. one of those things. Definitely, yeah. when God gives you a phone number, you definitely add that to a contact and save it. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> a little star by it. <laughs> Instant friends. And, that was, and oh, yeah. that's the beginning. And that has be, uh, was the beginning of, I don't know how many years of just just uh, falling in love with you and Becky and just it's now it's we're family now it's been a long time yes, yes we are we walked together enjoyed every step of the journey absolutely yep. yes we have we both have it's the same honor. guitar that we had made for us that only two of us on the planet have and oh my goodness just shared a lot of neat things Ray is a papa wow. a musicologist he's got so much wealth but when I think Becky and I are around him uh, we just feel that Papa anointing. Every now and then he'll call us up and he'll go, tell Becky to get my room ready. I'm coming to Bend. He loves this that region. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is so amazing. Well, I'm very, very excited to get to interview you, Ray, because um, 
as someone that has this depth of experience in not just one narrow area, right, but as an author and a speaker and a musician and just someone that has spent time traveling around, gone through and seen the world evolve and change and just witnessed it, you um, have the ability and authority to speak with a lot of wisdom. And man, we need that right now in this crazy time. So I, I really am excited to dig into this whole concept of stillness. Um, and, and, and how a person can even be thinking stillness when things are so upended, if you will. So I guess we should just start by kind of, Ray, I'd love if you'd just speak to us on the topic of stillness at the highest level and why that might be something we should be thinking about right now as we're in the middle of this uh, you know, epi- epidemic that we're all in globally. Yeah, you, you know... Um, there's a, there's a, uh, um, well, you know, I tell you it, where it comes t- to my heart is knowing I've been to Ireland 34 times, been to Scotland. I don't know how many times and Wales 33 times. And, and those are uh, places for me that I find just my, uh, I love to go over there and just walk in the rain because the rain in Ireland actually is the kind of rain that untangles your life. And I don't believe that we can ever actually, if you want to, if you want to, if you want information, you read a book, but if you want a knowing, go for a walk in the rain. And while you're walking, listen to the purest expression of your heart. If you can learn how to walk at the pace of your own heart. And I think that's one of the places that creativity and songs comes from is being able to find a stillness in the world that's around you. And, and I think it's important for us to learn how to have a, uh, well, matter of fact, I'll just, I'll just read you a quick something here, but there's a, there's a, uh, let's see, what's it called? So, okay, here we go. I, I did this on, uh, when you, when you no longer fear solitude and we live in an age right now where people actually fear solitude because we're such an overstimulated culture that we will oh. have to, we become addicted to that to that stimulation in the same way that like in the church world we become addicted to revelation without application and so what we do is we're constantly being bombarded with the stuff of this world and it becomes this tumultuous uh, lifestyle that causes us to believe that this is the, this is the abundant life. This is excitement. It's not boring. It's not depressing. It's not, but when you, when you no longer fear solitude and a lot of people do, many people live a life that they have, they don't know how to be alone without being lonely. And even when we go on our walk, we, the world insists that we jog. Uh, there's something about this, uh, this drivenness and this striving to excel or win in everything that we do that really takes away our solitude if you think about it. But when you no longer fear solitude, create, true creativity has an opportunity to awaken the inner treasures of your imagination. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an imaginator, uh, but I am also, also carry the sensitivities and the sensibilities to, to, that I, to learn how to listen and hear the voice in the Lord and realize that my imagination is not the enemy of that. My imagination is an extension of that. The Lord wants to give you images and pictures and sounds and things that awaken the true inner you to respond to the presence of the Lord. And he uses creation to do that. Okay, uh, just you, one you, second. You know, same, okay, go ahead. I really feel like, shucks, that struck something on the inside of me because there was a time where people would say your creativity was not a good thing. You know, like you're daydreaming and that was a bad thing. Snap out of it, you know. Like, no, 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 yeah. you got to focus. So can you just say that again, what you were talking yeah, like, about? Like, that just like, really on, spoke to me. Come on, get and, a real job. Yeah. 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 Don't, be, don't be the spacey one. That, yes. Yeah. Right. And, um, and you know, and, and I th- but I think we're, some of us are born to be dreamers. Yeah. 
look at the dreams of look at the dreams in scripture and look at the dreams of God and look at those who have an understanding who know how to meditate yeah. know how to take sila apply sila moments into their life and just sustain sustain or suspend everything and let it wait there and let this note play out until the resolve can come and then you're going to carry a, a truth that you did not have going in mm. but but uh, mm. When you no longer, I'll read it to you again. When you no longer fear solitude, true creativity has an opportunity to awaken the inner treasures of your imagination. Uh, learn how to listen rather than always be the one that's uh, projecting. Um, I, I, that's one of the reasons I love my, my garden, as you, would, as you would call it. But my mm -hmm. yard, our yard is like, like a, uh, a, a bird haven. And... Uh, I know that in the same way that like in Ireland, there's different fiddle languages in the land that they re the land actually carries melody. And so that's why you hear somebody say, oh, you can always tell a County Clare fiddler because there's a touch of lonesome in the bowl. He's from County Clare. And then there'll be a different accent on the push or the pull of the bow in Donegal than there would be around Cork or there would be around Galway. There's these regional dialects or accents that are expressed musically in the same way that our accents are different. Chris's mm -hmm. accent is different. Mike and Bobby's is different than Becky's because we carry a re those regional knowings, right? And, but uh, when I go out and listen to my birds, the, the birds that sing here awaken something in me. They also have regional dialects and regional accents and regional songs. A lot of folks don't know that. Look at the beauty and the diversity of how God has put all of creation together to awaken the real us, and we can pass it right on by with the overstimulation, completely losing our imagination to all the stimuli, stimuli that's coming at us all the time, trying to reshape us rather than hearing these beautiful silences that God wants us to know. So, so Ray, I'd love to push into two things that you said that were just really, I think, amazing. Um, the first one is that, um, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you were talking about the dreamers. And throughout scripture, there's, there's dreamers. And, and God reveals things through dreams. And I think, I don't know how you said it, but what I heard was, if we remove our ability to hear, then we're going to not hear what God's trying to tell us. Right. So, so yeah. I, I'd love to get maybe your guys thoughts on that, but then also how does that tie into this other thing that, that you've been talking about that I think is, is easy to kind of gloss over, which is the fear of, um, well, you said a, a couple things. One was the fear yeah, of being yeah. alone. You, you, the people, uh, you, don't know how to be alone without being lonely. Right. Not being alone yeah. without being lonely. And then also the fear of not having the constant um, interruption. So even when people say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go out and go for a walk. Like how often are they doing that without listening to music or being on the phone or doing mm -hmm. something else? And even when they do yeah. that, you know, 15 minutes away from the house without your phone causes anxiety in most people in modern culture today. Like they've done studies yeah. on that. And that's kind of kind of crazy if you think about it. So I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on, you know, on that. Because yeah, I think so it's I profound. think we're, you know, five, six weeks now into the COVID-19 thing. And at first, you know, for the first three to four weeks, it was like we were all on vacation. And it was all great and good. And now we're starting to look at the same people in the household. <laughs> the house is getting smaller. It's like Groundhog Day every it, day. It's like Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> Absolutely. And so now our thoughts are, are there. Our, our heart's intentions are there. Um, we're starting to feel. Um, it's no longer just a vacation. So I think it's exactly what Ray is saying. We're starting to, we're at a Y in the road in this COVID-19. It's either yeah. now that we're going to um, shove ourselves under the carpet 
what we're feeling. Right. Um, that moment where we could just write incredible songs or really hear the Lord on new levels. Either that's going to happen and we're going to allow it and embrace it, or we're going to try to get this thing over with and we're not going to enjoy the stillness and we're going to miss our opportunity. And that's the danger of creating an escapism mindset. We have to escape out of the quiet. We need stimulation. Yeah. Uh, in times of solitude, treasures can reveal themselves without striving. Yeah. Look how yeah. the treasures of creativity have to fight sometimes. Uh, let me read this little thing I wrote. And, 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 and um, uh, striving cyclically drives us into self-preserving isolation born out of a need to survive. Isolation then welcomes a noisy mind void of peace and perpetuates the striving and drives us into deeper isolation. It's a cycle. Striving ages passions and extinguishes fires of our creativity. So solitude is vital and valuable to our creative process. Also our spiritual health. It's not about deeper thoughts. It's about deeper silences. It's not about quietness and loneliness. It's about finding a silence deep enough to have a thought that doesn't war with the last one you had. Oh, wow. Wow. And that that's was... what, one of the reasons we miss so much of the purity and the power of the presence of God in our life is because we, our, we, our, our culture demands, society demands, Especially if we're creative, we got. If you're truly creative, you got 27 apps in your head going off. All of them are open at the same time. <laughs> all of them are vying for your attention, and all of them are vying for them to be the it that needs. You know, you want to live your life around that moment. And I'm just, I'm just saying, that is tumult. And what imposes that into our lives is the very same thing that it imposed into the people of God's lives in 2020. Or in, or in Second Chronicles 20. In Second Chronicles 20, some came and told Jehoshaphat, hey, right down the road in Hazazon tomorrow, which literally is right down the road in En Gedi, down at the water source, down at the place of the palms, place that should be our victory, people of God. There's a, a multitude that's coming against you. And you know what the word multitude is? It's the Hebrew word halmon, which means a tumultuous noise, a roar of the enemy. It is, it's a noise in the air. It's what it literally means in, in Hebrew. The sound wow. in the air, in other words, the airways are filled with the thieves of our future. And all we know is they're close enough that they're co it's coming after us. And then it goes right on into the rest of it. And you know the rest of the story. But in the middle of that tumult and the sound of the media, the sound of the airwaves, the sound of the, I'll just say, this poisonous propaganda that's constantly trying to rob us of our, the solitude that God created us for because of our surety and our walk with him. That's what we're hearing today. So, so not, go ahead. So Ray, you're, you're, um, you're making this point and I want to make sure that we can really um, explore it. I, you're making this point that I think if I was to just summarize all of the richness of what you said into one sentence, it would be, if we don't make time for stillness, we're not going to be able to hear everything that we need to hear, or we're not, our minds aren't going to be able to create everything they need to be able to create. So with that in mind, there's going to be people all over the world that are hearing this that, that may immediately click with that and go, oh man, that's true. And then and then there's other people that are going to, they might start to feel a resonation with that a little bit, but then all of culture is kind of going against what you're saying to some degree, because um, at least in, in Western culture, like it's negatively viewed if you're still for very long, because stillness is often associated with laziness or complacency. And I definitely don't hear you saying laziness and complacency. Like you're not saying 
that you're not thinking or you're lounging. You're saying you have to make time. I think what you're saying is you have to create the space to make the time for your mind and for the Holy Spirit to work with you. So what would you say to the people that are kind of bristling a little bit possibly because they almost feel a little bit of shame and guilt when they think about being still? Because I think that might be a common reaction. yeah, I think, uh, and, and I think rightfully so. I think there needs to be enough conflict for us to come to a resolve on this. If we're going to live our lives, first, well, first of all, I'd say this. Success, today success is, me- is, not measured by, is not measured by rootedness, but by motion. And uh, motion, and the reason is, I believe, is because motion is mistaken for momentum. Oh, wow. Motion is mistaken for momentum. See, as long as something's moving, it's happening, it's wow, ah, ooh, ee, ah, see? And we go right back into that mode of needing the stimulation of some sort of outward source to appease and appeal to our emotional side of us. Thereby, if we can wrap it around Christian rhetoric, it just automatically becomes revelation. Wow. And that addiction to revelation without application comes back into play again. Now, Becky, one of the reasons, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, one reason, yeah, go, okay, ahead. go ahead. That, Blue, that little and, Zoom delay, house, it makes it so hard. So, Ray, we're going we're gonna to go with you first, and then I think Becky had a, a point on that. So, Ray, you start. Well, no, well, no you just have to be really fast, because I'm from Kentucky. I come from a long line of talkers. That means at our house, you lose your breath, you lose your turn. but that comes that whole thing we're talking about comes from a motion mistaken for momentum to me tells me that we most of us live with a a mentality of renters not homeowners migrants for example migrants root themselves in memories and migrants root themselves in ideas not places so if we can continually take on more ideas that is more stimulation and I don't get too deep into this, but I'm just, but I'm just I'm just saying there's a better way than the constantly trying to reinvent our life according to the next stimulus the stimulus that comes along, because our creativity and our spiritual well-being. Think about this: songs and poems and stories are not supposed to even sound written. They're supposed to sound like something that fell out of your heart and your mind, mm. and made your life make sense. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So where are you going to find that? You're not going to find it uh, anywhere other than getting quiet enough to hear. Because that song or that poem or that story, they tell us the things we didn't know that we already knew. And one of the reasons we didn't already know that we knew it is because we won't listen to that inner inner um, peace that can just speak to your life rather than shake you into a new day. And motion will, is, is, is not momentum. Uh, what happens is, is the, this, what I'm talking about, it helps us realize just how deeply we're supposed to know God on a very personal level. And uh, it, I could, uh, you know, I, was, I said, you know, I was, I was just at Abbey Road Studio. And I was, uh, and I got to speak at, uh, at the, they had the, a lot of the musicians. I was, I was over there speaking to 92 of the top songwriters in, from all of Europe. And I did a thing with the Graham Kendrick and all those guys. And uh, uh, it was, it's called the Songwriters Consultation and that British <laughs> uh, thing, you know. And, but while I was there, anyway, I spoke on Abbey Road uh, and all of these uh, Everybody that was there is wonderful, full house kind of thing. And I said, you know, um, London is a fascinating place. It's just massive sea of swirling humanity, as you know. At one time, it was the largest city in the world. And, uh, and it really is an intriguing place. I said, you know, way back in the day, there was an old guy named Godwin uh, who was carrying something that was pretty powerful. Uh, you know, when when you reach back into the days of the Desert Fathers, you'd find out that people would need to get out of the big cities 
they would leave these cities in, in Egypt and go out into the Egyptian desert. And there they would become known as the Desert Fathers because they would just find a cave in a rock or a hideaway or whatever. And they became uh, these monos. Uh, the word monos is the monos, meaning like we have stereo or mono, singular, alone. You're alone out there, you're monos, and that's where they became then known as monks, mono monks. That's how we get the word monk. And then pretty soon people start realizing the value of getting away from all the man-made stuff and all the noise mm -hmm. and getting to that place out there. And now there's three of them out there, and there's five of them out there. And pretty soon a community forms around the idea of the quietness and the stillness and interacting with God. And so now we have to have a monastery. And uh, there was one of those kind of old monk kind of guys came through London and we, he went out to the river. And out there at the river, he heard the birds singing at the river. Now, remember back in the old Celtic days and those old desert fathers, what they would do, they would just be like walking along and they'd hear a bird singing and they would stop and honor the song of the bird on the limb. And because they believed that the birds carried the sound of heaven. And so they would sing the song of heaven. And when they would finish the song, amazing thing, they would cut the fork of the tree out and turn it into a harp so that they could carry the sound of heaven. Aww. So those are the kind, and they believe that every bird, uh, every color of heaven was in a bird's wing somewhere. So they were cre connected to creation well enough that they could honor creator by interacting with creation. Now, I don't want to go too far with this, but I, there was a guy like that. His name is Godwin, and he comes in there, and he goes down to the river, and he realized that the dialect and the melody of the, of the bird songs on that particular part of the river awakened something in his heart. So he created a hermitage there, a hermitage. Now, he's a hermit living out there, and, uh, you know, and then pretty soon it begins to grow because other people want to experience that same expression of worship there. Hmm. And pretty soon, you know, they've got a uh, monastery thing going on there. Some of these old folks were called anchorites, and sometimes anchoresses if they were female, of course. And but what he built there was then then this abbey was formed. When in fact, where do we get the word abbey? Because of that monastery or that group that are walking under the same like Benedictine rules or Augustin, uh, Augustinian rules or Franciscan or whoever was the head of that. They had to have rules, but it wasn't rigid rules. It was more like this is how we live our lives. And here's what happened. Now that they would start calling the main guy, he would be the abbot. Where do we get that word? Abbot or Abba, father. That's why they began being known as father. Wow. But when you But when you think about it, Look at all the musicians down the ages that have walked right down this road and was stopped along the way to find their fame. And I'm just saying to you, a lot of folks get captured by fame that are on the way to greatness if they could just get to the Father Abba's house and find the sound of their worship coming fully alive as they were created to. But we get stopped on the way to the Father we get stopped and captured by fame. Wow. Wow. Does that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. See, so greatness comes in the surety that you know the Father well enough to sing the song that you were created to sing, whether anybody hears it or not, yeah. other than He. So to me, songwriters have a sense, have to sense things deeply enough to believe sometimes. Images, words, melodies, rhythm, emotional responses, all that contribute to this perfect storm of tension that exists inside the creative mind. But these factors create opportunities for imaginators to spiritually and emotionally experience the images, the words, the melodies, the rhythm. And then until they re reveal the transforming truth that you were always born to sing. So to me, that's that quiet place of finding God rather than looking for the platform of, or of fame or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the missing ingredients. And right now, all of our systems have been quietened.
Concert stages are quietened. Auditoriums are quietened. All of that is quietened. Can we actually unhook and go to that beautiful, noiseless place just for this season? I think this is the time for there to be a real transforming work of the Holy Spirit so that when we come out on the other side of this thing, we've been all the way to the Father's house and we're carrying a new sound, a new song, and a new language now. That's that's so, my cry for the creators. So, so, so Ray, you're you're po- you're painting this really vivid and beautiful picture um, through, I think, the eyes of a musician. So, um, I think that's such a great way to look at it because we all can imagine, even if we're not songwriters, what it must take to write a song. Now, we might be off if we're not a songwriter, but we can kind of go. We can kind of we can kind of see that, and you're and I love how you're weaving that through. What I'd love to do is push into that a little bit and and look at kind of look at what what does this stillness look like for people in different kind of areas, right? So so some of the things that we were talking about in the pre-show, you know, that like Bobby, you had put together is what is what does stillness look like for that mom that is now being forced to learn how to homeschool for the first time at her, you know, in her home when she's normally at a job, like she doesn't feel any stillness right now. Or the CEO that that just had to lay off, you know, 60, 70% of his staff, and he's worried about how his employees are going to have the ability to even pay for their rent and food. And, and he, like, how does he face stillness? So I'd love to get your thoughts. I don't know, Bobby, that, this, was, this was your concept. You know, maybe you can push into that a little bit. Yeah, I feel like that's just a relevant topic right now where we have all kinds of different people hearing what Ray is saying. Our audience is vast. It goes all around the world. So right now there are people hearing what he's saying that are stay-at-home moms. They're homeschooling for the first time, exactly what you just said. It's that high-level CEO. And the neat thing about what Ray carries is it's for everyone. It expands to it's everyone. It's u- totally here. universal. So, yeah, I would love Ray's thoughts on how he would speak to that guy right now who's got his head between his legs going, OMG. I don't feel very still right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I I would say, first of all, for you to rise to a place that you have risen to, Mr. CEO, Mr. World Changer, Mover, Shaker guy, for you to come to a place like that, that tells me that you are willing to be misunderstood. That's That's good. You've already had had to walk through some stuff. You had to be willing to be be misunderstood, take the bullet, take the front line. Are you willing to be misunderstood to do what God is now calling you to do in this hour? Wow. Um, so good. Idealists, uh, faithful, faith-filled and foolish enough to throw caution and all of your okay to the wind is what God's looking for. And when you, uh, when you throw okays to the wind, what you already understand to be your normal, these are the kind of people that have advanced mankind and have enriched the world and reminded us on some level to, to love wonder. And you, you've become who you are. But now, are you willing to have the courage enough to be understood if necessary and courage enough to quiet your hearts and trust God until a new answer emerges? That's that's a heavy question, right? That's because so that's where the anxiety starts to creep in, especially with our culture where we just aren't used to being still and waiting. Ray, the way that you said it at the beginning was so dead on and convicting for me, being alone without being lonely. Like for someone like me, especially with my the, the way that I'm wired, like I don't I don't like that. Um but it's so obvious that it's important. So, so you have to wrestle with yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's a powerful, powerful hey man, lesson. You, you are looking at Mr. Drivenness. 48 years, yeah. 40 years put me on airplanes to get it done to the glory of God. I know, I know what you're talking about. I know who you are. And, uh, and I, I'm, not, and I'm, just, I'm not just spouting ideas and rhetoric here. I've, I've had to walk through that journey. 
of, of my identity and my significance and everything else. Maybe you didn't have to do that, but I did. My identity, my significance, my self-worth, all born around the idea of whatever success looks like in ministry yeah. or music or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, but in fact, you have to learn it's not, it's not about it. It's not about building a ministry. It's how do you give your life away? And how are you going to give your life away in the next season? A quick illustration of it looks like this. A young builder walks up to the old tree and sees this big old gnarly old tree standing there at the edge of the forest and the edge of the field. And the young builder, he's planning on building a house. And he looks at that big old tree and he says, Wow, this is never going to work. The tree is too old. It's too gnarly. It's been struck by lightning. The limbs are all crooked. The thing has been through too many storms. I can't build a house out of that tree. And the old tree speaks up and says, well, that's wonderful because I was built for shade. Hmm. Now, he was planning on, with his vision, making that tree fit within his paradigm. But the old tree says, and you know what, guys, I've got to be honest with you. That's kind of where I am a bit in my life right now. I don't care about building something. Uh, but I do want to be faithful enough to simply stand in the days of storms and shade those who are going to need the shade that my life can bring. Bring a place of rest for those that are willing to come and sit under what God has caused my life to grow into. Yes. And that that's speaks to my heart and says, I'm able now to be peace in people's lives rather than push people into pursuing some definition of, of success or greatness or, or even effectiveness. I don't even want to, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm created for impact anymore, you know, because impact sounds percussive, striking, impact. I want to be influenced. That says there's a influence sounds fluid and sounds like a river. Sounds like something that's going to run for a long time. Mm. And the impact can be dynamic and percussive, but influence means that my children's children's children yes. are going to get to know what my life was instead wow. of just, well, mm. it was just an old guy. <laughs> so and I think that's moving out of the tumult uh, into, the, into the silence. Peace. Ray, I, I see you in, in what you're sharing right now is a moment for us to take that, that pause. Uh, what you're doing and in, in what you're sharing is really like we need to hear this over and over again because we're coming, we are coming under that shade that you provide right now and that peace that you provide and that rest that you provide. And all I want to do is cry right now. I just want to sit here and, and just bawl my eyes out because, because what I feel coming from you in this moment together is this call and invitation into the presence of God like never before and into a place. And, and if we get into the silence, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong in, in how I'm hearing this, but if we can come into that place of silence where we can actually begin to hear, we will begin to, to hear the shaping and forming of what God has for our next. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, it come, that, is, that is the truth that will never set you free. The Bible doesn't even say that. The truth will set you free. No. If you continue in my word that, You'll know the truth and the truth shall make, which means there is a process rather than a, rather than a there it is. Yeah. And and uh, and you know and I know I, I hear the practicality also in the questions and the good questions that Chris is asking about how how do, how does this become applied to our daily lives? And Becky, that's what I hear in your heart right now. You know what I want to get a I hear you saying. I want this to be my future rather than getting back, rather than get back into the striving or the cyclical things of life. But, you know, if, if I'll tell you one of the ways on a daily level that I think everybody needs to know about is don't read the Psalms. 
write the Psalms. <laughs> Open the Bible every day and take a pen and place it to the silent page. And mm -hmm. as that pen does, write the Psalms, every, every Psalm. And it will slow your life down enough that morning to set the tempo of your day. Uh, you know, uh, here again is the beauty of creation joined to our lives. Uh, you, you'll process the word differently. You'll process truth differently if you become a part of the interactive processing of the truth, right? You shall know the truth and the truth will make process. Here, here, you know, did you ever hear of a guy named uh, Spencer? His last name was Spencer. What was his name? Roger Platt Spencer. A young, I think he was 13 years old. And he, had, he loved to go for walks and he loved creation. And he was walking along one day and he looked and he realized on this peaceful walk, he, re he looked and he realized the wind was blowing and all, all of the, the wheat field was leaning at a 52 degree angle. A bright young 13 year old boy was moved by that. He saw the beauty of that. And then he looked over this way and he, he, he realized that the ocean, the waves, as they responded to the wind, were at a 52 degree angle. He says, you know, if, the, if that 52-degree angle is the way God expresses the, his beauty and expresses himself, I'm going to do the same thing. When I express myself, I'm going to write at a 52-degree angle. Mm. And that's why we have cursive writing today is because of what's called Spencerian script was <laughs> born because of a young boy named Spencer. Come on. Who decided that was the most beautiful way to express himself. Wow. And if God expresses him that, himself that way, I will too. So now every day when you get up, you take your leather journal and you take a pen and you begin to, and, and notice what, it, what all is involved here. You got to be creative, not just to make an S. You've got to be creative enough to join it to the T. And you've got to be, so you're fully engaging with truth just by picking up a pen, slowing your life down enough, rather than throw in something in your headphones and take a run through the streets, put something in your heart and take a walk in the woods. So, so Ray, so I, I, this message is, I think could not be more profound and not, it could not be more timely. And I think that, um, I think for everyone listening right now, like, like if you're feeling resistance to this, I really would challenge you to push through and do it anyway, especially right now as we're yeah. be, being given this opportunity. So Ray, what I'd love to hear your thoughts on is eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to be out of this forced situation that we're in. And people are going to immediately do everything they can to snap back to whatever systems, processes, routines that they had before. So I guess I'd love to hear from you and, and you guys also, like, what do you say to people to prepare them so that as life does get back to normal, whenever that is, whatever getting back to normal is, the new normal that we get back to includes the ability to pour into this stillness that you're talking about right now, because this, what I'm hearing is this isn't just something that we, you know, take that we should be doing right now during a pandemic, but it's something that should be interwoven into our life. So what, mm -hmm. what do you guys say to that person to kind of prepare them for, you know, a few weeks in the future when everybody tries to get back to normal? I can do mine in one sentence and then I would love to hear what you guys think. Mine in one sentence is, I'm talking about normal. What I'm proposing is the normal. Does that make sense? So good. <laughs> yeah. What we have done, we've allowed society, culture, and all the stuff, that has driven us into this other thing. And I think God has, is reintroducing us to the beauty of a normal, or, or, or normalcy or normality, what I'm about whatever that word is that I'm looking for here. He is, he is trying to reintroduce us to a normal that shapes nations and changes worlds, and it can be as grandiose as you want to make it to be. But the normal is what, we're, what I'm talking about rather than this abnormal that has almost taken the real life out of all of us, guys. Let's get real. Wow. 
You know, I, I live on airplanes with somebody kicking me in the back of the seat, somebody sneezing on my neck and eating food that you got to tear out of a Ziploc or something. That had that is my normal. <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. That, was that that normal? I'm not going back to that. Yeah, it's good. I just have to say ditto. <laughs> yeah. How did we get to the part, the place in the world where that is normal? That's, I mean, when you say it, like, it's easy to kind of go, wow, what were, what are we thinking? Yeah, Ray's you know? got this ability. He's got this ability to let us know we've been slow cooked. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a bunch of frogs slow cooked and we, the water has been getting hotter and hotter and here we are. Yeah, and we're all, you know, in this, okay, we got to get the economy jump-started, and we've got small businesses that need to get back online, and I totally agree with all of that and so forth, but this is a lifestyle. And if we don't take the opportunity to make this a lifestyle, then we'll get right back into the busyness that has dulled our spirit in the first place. This is an opportunity to reset. I think that's what yeah. God's saying. Uh, yeah. Veronique, what do you got? Oh, I there's two things that I feel. The first is that um you know, having revelation without application. That just that just yeah, kind of shook me. Good. Um and that just makes me feel wow, God, I don't want to be one of those people that don't apply your truth. So what you're saying right now is ultimately I need to get still before you. I need to apply that to every area of my life. And only then will I be equipped to speak on it, right? <laughs> I feel like how many of us just, it's a good idea. And so we share it because it's a great idea, but it's actually not the truth that we're living out. I would love to really sink my teeth into being still before the, the Lord. You're the only one. All I'm of the us. only we're, one, yeah. We're all really good at it. <laughs> I just, I was one of those just last week, I, I, I decided I, I need some sunshine and I grabbed my phone, got my earphones, went out and I put the Bible on, started listening and then this text came in and then this phone call and this emergency and this crisis and I was like, God, I'm just trying to spend time with you and this isn't fair and then I was like, wait, why did I even bring my phone? <laughs> why did I even bring my phone? Right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, just coming back to the simplicity of just be still, just shh. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think we have created an opportunity for the enemy to use what should be tools that we use for God's work as tools to use against our ability to do what he wants us to do. Because it's not that the cell phone is bad. It's just that it becomes a real easy way to distract us from what's important. So... Um, so Ray, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is it's, it's, we have to be very purposeful about creating the space, um, to, for that stillness to happen so that we can listen. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. should be woven through every part of our life. Um, and, and then, and then I also hear you saying that if we're not creating that time, then we're going to miss some of the, the really meaty things that God wants to show us. And I think it's just happens like this, right? So easy. Um, Becky, what you were, you had something on the tip of your tongue, well, I think. Actually, I was just going to, I feel like there's something Ray has, uh, as I know we're, we're going to be ending here soon. But one thing that uh, I wanted to actually bring up too was uh, Ray started a, his own podcast and I'm super excited for this. Uh, and it's been going now for quite some time, and it's called The Listening Porch. Correct me if I've got that a little bit wrong, but I, um, that's what I remember. It's yeah, the, listening the Listening Porch. porch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and if you want to sit under the shade of Ray, <laughs> uh, listen to his podcast, The Listening Porch, and go subscribe to that as well. Uh, and and at, it's in moments like these where our spiritual fathers, uh, like Ray, have so much wisdom and experience and knowledge. And uh, what a great opportunity we have before us to, to if we're going to listen to something, to listen to their knowledge and their wisdom in this time. So, uh, so Ray, I, as we are 
uh, ending our time, would you just share with us whatever is on your heart, what you feel that would help us, um, any last wisdoms or pearls or gems that you have for us, yeah. sir? We'd love to hear it. Well, well, I was, uh, 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 as you know, my, a definition of a storyteller is a guardian of memories. And so I, I capture and value the memories of my journey with God. And I try to not let any of them get away because my life, I've, I don't think it'll ever be about education. It'll always be about fascination. And my fascination with the journey God's brought my life on through, uh, I can never get past that. And I'll, sh I'll show you, so y'all just, you know, I know I'm stepping out of the camera, but you'll forgive me when it's over, maybe. He's awesome. But this, this, one of the reasons I live with this fascination of what God can do in my life is because here's, here's where I was raised. Wow. See that? That's a two-room wow. house. Wow. Yeah. And that, yeah. and that two-room house had an old lean-to kitchen on the back of it, and the, whole, wow. the entire house was 24 by 24 which happens to be the size of my office I'm sitting in right now. Wow. Wow. And uh, recently, or this past year, I had a group of people on a horse and buggy with me on the Aran Islands in Ireland. When an Irish storyteller is driving horse and trap or ho horse and in uh, the buggy, and we got about eight people on this thing, and I'm giving them a tour of the beautiful Aran Islands. And that whole island is like you know, 700 people live there. But at one time, there were 120 Celtic saints on one, buried on this one island. And, there, and uh, we came around the corner, and, I, and uh, there was a little, it looked like a, either used to be an old cellar, a wine cellar, a fruit cellar, uh, a well house, you know, just a, a dugout when the walls were, you know, up about three feet tall, no roof on it, but it was dug out lower. So you could tell it was some kind of a, of a structure there. And I, I said, Thomas, stop the wagon. And I asked everybody on there, I said, okay, everybody, what do you think that is? And it's 11 feet by 13 feet. And, then they, and it's, I said, uh, what do you think it is? And somebody said, well, that's a, that looks like an old wine cellar, maybe, maybe a storm cellar. Maybe it was a, uh, you know, when they start, I said, nope. Uh, it was a church. It's called Kilronan. Kilronan, wow. St. Ronan. Killarney, St. Arnie. Kilpatrick, St. Patrick. That was Kil That is Kilronan. There was an old Celtic saint, and that was his church. It's 11 by 17. Well, that, that's all? They weren't building churches. They were building disciples. Wow. Somewhere down the line, we got to building all this stuff. And we stopped building people, started building structures, and the people support the structures. Wow. And I, oh. I just believe it's time for a, a, a horse and buggy ride for the yeah. church in the U.S. Yeah. That's so good. Ray, wow. I've got one. So powerful. I love the Ray stories. I've got one more request of another story. You tell a story of when you took some songwriters um, over to the Emerald Isle somewhere, and um, there was a story about a journey, I think, of a young gal who was writing a song, and there was something either etched in a book or etched in a stone there that either spoke about her life or who she was or even had the exact same words of a song that she was writing, and it was a well-known um, writer, I think that we would all know. Um, can you, can, do you remember that story and can you tell that? I, I do remember the story, but the possibilities of me telling that do not exist, Bobby. <laughs> the reason <laughs> is, is because that is one of the most powerful moments. And it's, it's a very long and beautiful story. And if I could be so presumptuous as to say, could we come back and do that as another show and me tell you the whole story? That would you be guys, amazing. We have that would be to. amazing. That's an amazing, amazing story. Okay. It really, then it here's really my is. I would, I would butcher it if I just tried to throw it at you. I just wouldn't want to do that. Okay. So here's my last question then. Um, okay. The songbird in this hour, you had 
um, talk about how when there's the thought of danger or trauma or the feeling of it in the atmosphere, the songbird loses yeah, their song. Yeah. And yeah. so... You know, yeah, I'll tell you how that works, and I could do it right now outside. If you, if you, uh, For any of you that might ever go out into the forest or deer hunting or hiking or anything like that, many times you'll walk into a forest. I've done this many times. I remember it as a child in Kentucky. You walk into a forest and there would be the birds are singing and the leaves are leaving and the worms are worming and the, <laughs> the forest is just teeming with life. But when you go walking into that forest, all of a sudden the birds go silent because all they know is, is their survival mechanism kicks in and the fear of man takes their song away. And I dare say that most of us lose our songs and we become something very inauthentic and try to emulate the emulators until we emulating the emulators and emulate the emulators and emulate until we become imposters. And we're not singing the truest song of who we are. And one of the reasons is because of the fear of man. Wow. Can, can y'all hear birds sing? Yes. We yes. were. Yes. We were hearing them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. I left the door open just because I want to get a little air in here. But, but how often is it that we walk into a situation, you know, that man comes into the proximity of the purest expression of who we are, and it winds up being taken away because our fear of man takes our song away quicker than anything. Wow. Ray, that is so such a profound and true statement like i just like it's it's incredible i i really appreciate hearing your heart on that because you know how often do we let the fear of man take our song like that's just so it's so good thank you so much for for spending this time with us today and and um and joining us on this podcast we definitely want to reschedule and 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 <laughs> yes. dig into the story that bobby is referencing because oh, now i'm really curious i <laughs> love it um and um so ray we we have people that if you're listening to this right now um and you're not watching it it's worth popping over and watching the video um to see the picture that he had and, and i think this it's worth it if you're um, watching this on Facebook Live, we've been starting to broadcast these live. Definitely go over and subscribe to the podcast. When you go over and search for the Eagle Mountain Radio podcast and you find this episode, in there we'll have the in the show notes we'll have a link to Ray's podcast, his website, um, and and his resources and books and so forth. So we'll put all of that in there. So definitely take the time to go look at the show notes and find that information. And then I'd love to end with with us praying for you and the and the work that you're doing and the ministry that you have and and even right now while you're not flying all around the world, um, we know that you're still impacting people. We know that you're doing that even through this podcast today. So it's it's an honor to be able to speak to you. Would you mind if we if we prayed for you and then and then closed please, out the podcast that do. way? And my yeah. sweetie's name is Denise. And if any of you are out there, pray and pray for both of us. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we love Denise, and I just want to encourage all of those of you who are watching right now and listening, um, what Ray is carrying, Law Ministries, go on his website, see all the courses that he has. I mean, as Becky said earlier, it's a wealth of information, revelation. You will um, become changed. Ray has this great ability to just slow everything down. And yes, he carries an iPad with a lot of notes in it, but then he's got that old leather uh, journal that just, I think every time I see it, it just makes me want to stop, slow down, keep everything real yeah. and go, am I really capturing what God's saying to me right now? And so I just encourage you guys to just bless Ray, bless him financially. Uh, as I mentioned, go on his website, bless him, give to his ministry, um, and bless him and Denise. But yeah, let's pray and join us all as we pray yeah. and, uh, and bless a, a father. One of the things that Becky and I have learned is that we receive double when we, when we bless those who fathered us. Yeah. They're worthy of double honor. So let's yeah. do that. Father, we just pray. For Ray and Denise right now, God, we pray for their family, their staff. 
Lord, I just think of the the story when um, he saw the name Waylon, Lord, uh, in another country and learned about um, how you connect us, Lord, to our origins. And God, I just thank you for Ray. I thank you for his papa's heart. I thank you, God, that he wants people to succeed and he lives to see your story unfold in the lives of people. God, we ask that you bless him. We pray blessings of health, strength, life over him and Denise, Father. We just thank you that you protect them, God, that you go before them, Lord. The message that they're carrying would be completely guarded, like it says in the Song of Solomon about that palaquin anointing with 60 valiant men sent to guard that palaquin. God, let the angels of glory guard Ray and Denise and what they're carrying in that palaquin right now. We bless them as mothers and fathers. And Father, we know that it's their greatest desire to see that people walk in truth and experiential knowledge of you, God, to, to experience you on a daily basis. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that we would live in that, we would walk in that, and we would bless those who've gone before us to carve and to create that path for us. So, Lord, we bless their ministry. We bless their life financially, naturally, spiritually, in every way. Amen. Ray, thank you again so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And definitely, if you're listening to this, subscribe, look at the show notes like I mentioned before. And also, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, share that so that other people can see that are connected to you through your social media. They can hear the message that Ray brought for us as well today. So definitely share that. And until next time, thank you.